What's up athletes, specifically CrossFit athletes for this episode. Zach Wagner here with another episode of the Resilient Athlete Project. On the show today, we have my friend Jason Caldas. Jason is a CrossFit athlete, more recently CrossFit coach. He's been in the CrossFit world for a very long time and was a very high level competitor. Uh, He goes into this a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but suffice it to say, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to CrossFit. He's been somebody that I have learned a lot from, especially over the past year or so. And I've been wanting to have him on for a while. And what we covered today was my blog article that I released last week about how to prepare for the CrossFit Open. So we go through some of the strategies and talk about how you can make sure this Open is going to be successful, safe, fun, and how you can use it to sort of set some new benchmarks for yourself. And um, Jason does a really good job of providing actionable stuff, not only for new athletes, but also advanced athletes and everybody in between. There's a lot of good stuff in this episode. We cover optimizing mobility, working on skill weaknesses, how to focus on your fitness, what you should do with your strength training for this time, underutilized strategies like breath control and wad setup and all that kind of stuff. And we had just a really fun conversation. So if you haven't read the blog article, that'll be linked in the show notes. Make sure you check that out as well because there's some videos in there of some mobility exercises and things along those lines. And we kind of reference some stuff there. But I think this was a really great companion. And if you are somebody who's competing in the CrossFit Open this year, especially given how weird it's been, make sure you prepare yourself. The blog article and this are going to go a long way in helping you have fun, stay safe, and be successful in the Open. So without further ado, I bring you Jason Caldas. Welcome back to the Resilient Athlete Project. I'm your host, Zach Wagner, and joining me today is my friend, Jay Caldas. What's going on, Jay? Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We've been uh, talking quite a bit amongst ourselves about CrossFit Open and prep and all that stuff. And uh, for those of you listening, hopefully you've read the blog that I put out recently. Uh, Jay helped me quite a bit with that in terms of just giving me a uh, experienced coach's perspective on what we need to be doing to prep. So that's what we're going to kind of mostly cover today as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. I love talking CrossFit strategy in the Opens. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It makes it, makes it, uh, gives us, I think this year, something to look forward to. And, um, I think those people, those ally, the athletes who are doing CrossFit enjoy putting in the work and kind of prepping and all that kind of stuff. And it makes it even that much more satisfying when it pays off. Yeah. I think having the open back in the winter is a lot more fun in general. And then, uh, all the athletes that haven't been able to compete all year because of closures, this is a good way to get ramped up and started up again absolutely and we'll talk about that quite a bit but uh before we get into it why don't you just kind of give the people a little bit of a a background on you and any context you think you need just to kind of help them see where we're coming from yeah so um you know i've always been a trainer my whole life 22 years i've been a personal trainer went to school for exercise science um you know always been an athlete and then uh fell in love with crossfit in uh 2009 I was lucky enough to walk into the best CrossFit in technically the world, or at least in this area, CrossFit New England, as my first gym. And I was able to learn from Ben Bergeron and all the great athletes and coaches there um, and competed there with their regionals teams. We went to the regionals in 2011. 
Um, and then actually that regional team went all the way on to the world games and won the gold medal. Um, so I got so much experience with, with them training and the competition and, the, um, you know, the programming and the strategies from Ben. Um, and I've been able to pass it on to my athletes, um, later on, opening up my cross at Bridgewater, my first gym. And, uh, with just a small gym, 80 members, we had two regional teams, uh, of our own go to, uh, the Northeast regionals. Um, and again, just always strategizing and coaching. I used to coach and compete. Um, and now just coaching, uh, is my strat is my, <laughs> is my, uh, forte now, not really such an athlete anymore, but I still love to throw down with my, my friends and, uh, but still really love coaching, building some more, uh, teams again and getting back into the open and, and strategizing with my, uh, CrossFit Dartmouth members and my, uh, all my local athletes. Nice. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you've been there you've, at the highest levels and put teams together and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I wanted to have you on obviously, because I think you got a lot of good insight and I've learned a lot from you personally myself as well, as I've gotten more into CrossFit after I got out of, uh, college and grad school and stuff and wanted that kind of competition aspect wanted that group training kind of team aspect of it again and crossfit has been a great way to get that yeah yeah it's been great to meet you too and learn a lot from you with uh, all my injuries i have <laughs> uh, to stay healthy um and uh yeah we love teaching crossfit and i think you've learned that you know crossfit can be done properly um, it, with good form and good coaching. And that's what, that's what it's really all about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's what I say to everybody who, you know, obviously I work with a lot of CrossFit athletes, so I don't have to <laughs> ever convince them of anything, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'll get the questions from friends and family, you know, when they hear that I do it or that, you know, a lot of people I work with do it and they're like, Oh, isn't that dangerous? I'm like, well, I mean, like anything else, there's good and bad gyms, there's good and bad trainers, good and bad doctors, whatever you want to say. So if people do it correctly, the amount of benefit you get out of it is just massive because it's introducing people to stuff that they would have never done otherwise. Olympic lifting, powerlifting, some of these gymnastics moves and just teaching you a lot about your body. And, you know, sometimes too, I think the, what I say to people as well, you know, you can, I think it's more dangerous to be weak and out of shape and all that kind of stuff than to push yourself hard, you know, and there's ways to do it intelligently. So I just would rather err on the side of maybe pushing on the top end and then have to deal with occasional discomforts and injuries, then be weak and unfit my whole life. So. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, CrossFit can be taken as a sport where you have a little bit of that top end and a tiny bit of, you know, injuries and setbacks. But for the most part, like you see in our gym, it's mostly just people that just want to work out a little harder than normal. A lot of people that never worked out before in their life and they just, came to cross because they know we know how to teach movements um and exercise um and generally lately it's it's more weight loss um you know and and again like just lifestyle uh athletes that come into our gym so we've been able to taper it down over the years especially over the last 10 years to really manage everybody uh you know 100 different athletes to make sure they all get the same stimulus you know, the, the really new people get the just enough stimulus and the really older people that have been there forever get just enough stimulus. So cross has been great. It's been the best thing I've ever had in my, um, you know, in my repertoire of like training athletes or even just weight loss. Um, ever since I've done CrossFit, you know, it's just, it's almost nine, 99% effective results every single time they come into the gym, they get better and 
you know, improving their, their, their body composition and their strength, like you said. Yeah. Cause the challenge is there for sure. You know, so, right. Um, you know, so I think people listening to this are aware of what the open is, but maybe if somebody's coming to this and they're not totally sure what we're talking about when we say the open, I wanted to give a quick rundown on what the CrossFit open is, and then we'll, we'll run into the, uh, some of our bullet points for today. All right. Yeah. So the CrossFit open, uh, you know, at our gym, we really try to pump it up cause it's, it's like you're a test every year. Um, the CrossFit games, uh, games.crossfit.com. You can sign up. Um, it's a minimal fee. Um, I believe it's only $20 to sign up if it's the same as last year. Um, and then you get this year, three workouts. It's usually three to five workouts a week. Um, but it, it logs and keeps all your scores from the previous years too. So if I go back to 2011, I can see all my scores from the CrossFit games workouts in the open and I can compare my scores over time. Um, and we use it as a benchmark and we use it to retest, um, and test our fitness over the year. You know, we train all year round for general fitness. And then this is the time of the year. We kind of like see like how far have we come since last year Mm -hmm. and what do I need to improve on for next year? Um, so the CrossFit open usually points out some things like, Oh, I really should have my pull-ups or I really should have my double unders a little better. Um, so it gives our athletes a, a good push for, um, this year. And then again, like, what are they going to train all year for and come back again next year and try to be better for. So it's just a great thing, a great experience. The gym has a lot of camaraderie during these next three or four weeks. Um, everybody does the throwdown together usually, um, in class on Fridays. And then sometimes we even do special events where we have these, uh, um, kind of Friday night lights type atmospheres, which are kind of cool too. Yeah. I know when I first started doing it, that's what I thought was really cool is I was doing like the Friday night lights kind of deal and showing up and doing workouts at night. And I was like, that's much more my speed in terms of like, I'm not so much somebody who goes out and like, you know, parties and stuff, but I was like, this is, this is really cool to get a group of people together who really are not only okay with this, but are choosing this purposely because they have fun with it to come out and push themselves hard and cheer each other on, on a Friday night. Um, So, you know, if you're not, if you're not into CrossFit yet, and that sounds like something that you're like, wow, that sounds really awesome. Then, start looking into it because it's uh it's really fun yeah this is definitely a great time of the year to join crossfit because you get that big experience of the open and and, um you know the fun part of crossfit crossfit a lot of times we we always say we have a lot of the work hard play hard type of people that come into the gym they love working hard and they love throwing down but they love friends and hanging out and getting together so when you do it all together like a fitness friday night it's uh it's really a beautiful thing Absolutely. Cool. So let's go through. Um, and like I said, if you're listening to this and if you've read the blog already, we're going to add some context to that. And if you haven't read the blog, I'm going to make sure we put that in the show notes. And it's just five bullet points that we went through in terms of some of the biggest things we saw uh, that people needed to work on and how to prepare for the open. So we're going to just kind of go through those. And the first one that we talked about was optimizing mobility. So I guess what we can start with is, Jay, what are some of the areas you find mobility tends to be an issue specifically relating to CrossFit and some of the open workouts? Um, so I would say uh, almost everybody needs a lot more shoulder and hip mobility. Um, and those translate into like your overhead squats um, and squat snatches. Those would be the biggest, um, I think, mobility required movements in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll know, um, you know, you'll see it in other movements and pull-ups and things, but I would say definitely working on your shoulder mobility in your hips, especially in your warm-ups um, and your cool-downs will really help you um, 
in the opens. Cause if you can, if you can hit more mobility easier, it's a lot less strenuous on your body. Like, you know, um, and you'll be able to be more efficient in the movements. Um, but you'd, you'd have a lot more better tips there than I would on what, I, what exercises would kind of help there. Right. Yeah. And I know we've, we've talked about it a bit and that's the thing is that I think, you know, you guys as coaches obviously we work together, but you guys are the ones who see the athletes moving every day and you, and you see it. I see it a lot of times when people are coming all the way down, filtering down in terms of injuries and stuff like that. So we're trying to catch them a little earlier um, and, and optimizing mobility is a big way because just like you said, it, it lets you sort of spread out stress on your body in a way that's maybe more ideal as opposed to, you know, an area of your body that has a little bit less mobility tends to take on more stress or areas right near it and that kind of stuff. So and to mention overhead squat, I think is important because a lot of people are probably familiar with certain movement screens that use the overhead squat. And the reason for that is because if somebody can overhead squat really well, right off the bat, like cold, I know their mobility is most likely not an issue except for maybe very, very specific things because that tells me ankle mobility, hip mobility, upper back, shoulder, all that stuff is on point because you cannot overhead squat without all of those things. And literally one of those things that isn't there means it's going to look completely different, you know? So if you break that down a little bit more, there's kind of like a big three I talk about with people a lot and it's ankle dorsiflexion, meaning like when your feet are flat, can your knees come forward over your toes as in when you're squatting or stepping and then hip extension in this case, but also hip flexion. So do those hips move well? And then that shoulder flexion, which is overhead shoulder mobility, right? Because for performance, we just talked about something like the overhead squat, pull-ups, step-ups, any of that kind of stuff. Even things like a hip hinge, like a deadlift. If you have good hip control, you're going to do a lot better with those. But then even just for your, your, your average person who sits a lot, or the way I always frame it is that as people get older, those are the things that tend to go downhill. Their ankles right. get really, really stiff. They can't kind of walk on uneven ground because foot can't adapt to uneven terrain. They're not standing up straight because their hips are really stiff and then they can't reach overhead anymore. And then that becomes an issue. So if we scale, bring that all the way back to CrossFit, we want to make sure we're strong and, and stable in all those positions, but you need to be able to get there first. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, like the overhead squat points out all the flaws in your mobility so like that's just a movement in general to add into your warm-ups almost every day. Do some overhead squats or wall-facing overhead squats um, and really try to work on that uh, movement because it'll end up stretching out those shoulders and hips and areas that are tight. And as you know, most of the time, actually, bad shoulder mobility is going to lead to uh, low back pain because you're overcompensating. Your shoulders aren't getting into the right position and you're hyperflexing into your back. So um, right like it's upper thoracic you know mobility stuff soft tissue stuff with the lacrosse ball and the foam rollers like really beating that up um and then trying to get in um and get some good mobility with some banded stretches or or partner assisted stretches but yeah absolutely and that's where working with a good coach good pt to help you figure out okay for example your overhead squat why is that limited is it your ankles is it your shoulders is it a combination of a few things because then little modifications or little extra exercises in your warmups, for example, will be much more efficient and effective um, and help you not get frustrated with it. So, you know, if you go an overhead squat and you're like, wow, I have no idea why that feels awful, <laughs> then that's when you want to reach out and ask somebody who's, who's experienced and looking at it because they can help you be a lot, less frust- a lot less frustrated with it. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So um, 
let's move on. The second one we were talking about was, was working on skill weaknesses. And I think the next couple, really the next three bullet points are really around the, the, the focus of the strength you have at this point is largely going to be what you bring into the open. You can still make some improvements, but it takes a long time to really build strength. So when we're just a few weeks out, we want to start to think of the things that can actually change quickly and that are going to make big differences in the open. And the first piece of that is the skill piece. So maybe we can go through the same kind of thing and talk about the biggest skills you think are important for the open and how people might go about working on those a little bit more. Right. Um, I a hundred percent agree going into the open. You're not trying to PR, you know, your squats and your, your deadlifts and your, your, uh, big lifts right now. You're trying to maintain your strength. Um, and then you need to refine your skills because the skills make up like hundreds of seconds, at, you know, in, in the workouts easily. If you trip up on your double unders often, if you, uh, you know, even if you're not as efficient in your pull-ups and your total bars, your wall balls, you know, those are the big movements we see come up all the time. Um, so with the skills, we kind of like um, classified as the more gymnastics, aerobic type movements are really where you're going to make up a lot of time in your workouts. Not, not as much as you'd think in the strength and especially not in the open. It's usually more about your engine and your skills. So can you get through all those things? Um, so simple ones are being super efficient with double unders, you know, adding again, like I said, um, <clears throat> adding a good warm up with these skills and some mobility is what you really want to do. Probably two or three days a week, having like a, we used to call it like a goat warm up. So it's like your goat is like your movements that hold you back in CrossFit. So maybe you do, um, you know, 20 double unders unbroken, you do, um, you know, 10 overhead squats, and then maybe a little higher skill, like one or two muscle ups, um, practice. And then you could add in something else aerobic, like a, a jog or a bike or, or a row. And you make like these little skill work warmups every day and you're practicing those skills that you really want to hone in. Um, I think that's a really big key, um, for, for, for going into the open is having those skills or those goat warmups or workouts a couple days a week. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way to think about it. And I think the, the, for mobility and skill specifically, it doesn't take a lot of time. It takes consistency, right? You're not going to improve your double unders by doing like four hours of work one day, right? It has to be work on it. And if, especially if you're new to it, what I've found, do it when you're fresh because you're going to have more room for error. And as you get better at it, start to stack on fatigue because that's the big piece of an open is you have to be good with these skills, but also good with them as you get tired because, you know, the last couple of rounds of some of these workouts is where people really tend to struggle um, and if you haven't practiced those movements while fatigued, it starts to show. Right. Yeah. So, um, just off of that, you definitely have to learn them fresh and in the warmups and where you can practice them for, you know, like you said, it doesn't take a lot of time, 10 minutes or so in these warmups, you can hone the skills in, but this is the time where if you have double unders come up in your workout of the day at your gym, you don't do single unders, you don't substitute, you don't modify, you don't scale because you need to learn them under fatigue as well. Like, cause yes, you could do 10 or 20 fresh, but can you do 10 or 20 in a row when you're tired is a whole different thing too. So this is the time to always try to, um, RX the, the skill movements, not necessarily the weights or anything. You're not going to go heavier than normal, but just try to RX the skill movements as much as possible. Um, so I've been talking about this with my athletes, you have double unders, all right, that's it. No more single, single unders in the workout 
uh, today. Like, let's, let's really stick it in there. And a good trick is say it's 40 or 50 double unders. Let's just modify the reps of the double unders. Let's just do 10 or 20, let's 10 or 15, like just get through the workout, but you're practicing the double unders in the workout and not really overall thinking about your time for that day. So you can, um, practice that skill in the workout as well. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think sometimes too, that comes down to just this concept I talk about a lot of, of training versus performing and, we all want to perform a lot. I think, you know, especially with CrossFit, we want to, cause there are time caps and we want to get faster. We want to get better, but sometimes the best way to get better down the road is to stop worrying about that so much and to work on individual pieces. And then when it's time, for example, at the open, put it all together and put the performance together as you can there, instead of trying to do it every time you train. Absolutely. Yep. Um, ben has a good podcast about this um, Ben Bergeron, but it's a uh, practice competing and training, like really separating the three where practice is you, you just sit down and you go over this one skill, you know, for 20, 10 or 20 minutes with nothing else in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's doing a butterfly pull up or a rope climb, but you really just like practice the, the foot lock of the rope climb, you know, a hundred reps in a row to figure that out. And that would be like practice. And then training is when you're doing the movement in the workout, but you're not really going a hundred percent for time. You're trying to implement these new movements and, and work on the movements in the workout. And then you have like your performance and competing at the end where you're, you're going like crazy, you know, all out effort just to improve your fitness for the day. And Absolutely. I think it's important to separate those three because in CrossFit, you don't want to do you can't compete every single day you go to CrossFit. You know, you have to have these different days where some days are more skill and, and training based. And then a couple of days a week you go, you go ham and you go for it. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is you, you can't learn a new skill very efficiently under fatigue. Right. So you have to separate that. You, like you just said, you can't go a hundred percent every day, you know, a hundred percent effort and intent. Yes. But not necessarily like pushing yourself in that one sense, a hundred percent every day. Right. Um, and then, you know, you can't compete every time, like you said, because just physically and mentally, it won't, it won't happen. Right. Exactly. Cool. Um, and in that blog article I put out, there's a cool article I found from a CrossFit gym in DC that specifically they went through all the open workouts for, I think forever. I made this skill hierarchy of the movements that are like almost hundred percent guaranteed to be in it. And the movements that are likely to be in it and help you understand how you can train. And, you know, and of course this will be the year when you know, double unders aren't in it or something, but right. probably not. <laughs> right. You always have double unders and rowing and wall balls and box right. jumps. Um, that, that would be another one too. Even rowing, like sometimes we forget about it, but you should get on that rower, you know, for like two to four minute intervals a few times a week. Cause that always comes up in the CrossFit and, and in the Northeast too, right now we can't really mm-hmm. uh, get out and run. So we got to, we got to keep our fitness up there. Yeah. And the rowing is one, I think that people who are newer to it don't understand how much technique can go into it obviously from actually doing the rowing movement but also understanding what your power outputs like at different damper settings and all that kind of stuff and choosing the best one for you and the foot the the pedal placement like all that kind of stuff it's just like you can get pretty deep into it um but knowing that can make a humongous difference and on time for sure 100 percent. same thing as every like rowing is 100 percent a skill you have to practice it and you have to get better at it. Even just getting in and out of the rower is mm-hmm. a skill you could practice to save you 10 to 20 seconds per round. If you're getting in and out of the rower. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, kind of speaking on that in that similar vein, 
the next bullet that we were talking about was focusing on fitness. And we, we've touched on that quite a bit in terms of, you know, focusing on the engine and fitness, whatever you want to call it. So how do you tend to do that with your athletes leading up to the open? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so like we, we talked, touched upon the strength is a little more secondary, right. In our, in our training and our programming and the wad is more, um, important. Um, sometimes we'll have the wad, um, done first, the workout of the day first and the strength mm-hmm. even after as like a cash out. Um, so those are two things, just trying to change the mental focus away from, um, the strength into just really the performance and the fitness part of it. Um, but you know, we use, uh, so we'll have a couple more aerobic days with your, you know, high output, like kettlebell swing, burpee, wall ball, uh, big chipper workouts. Um, you know, we have your general CrossFit, you know, 2159 workouts in there. Um, you know, just to keep that fresh, but then we, every Friday, we, we actually start to add in a open style workout either from the previous years or, um, you know, or some, something similar to an open style workout. Um, so they're getting that, that competing day once a week as well. Um, and the other days are really just, uh, working on your fitness and your, um, your engine. So a lot of chippers like buy in with like, um, some kind of big row and then a chip away at, you know, wall balls and cleans and burpees and box jumps. Um, those tend to be the, a lot of the style of the workouts or sending reps. So volume is another thing you want to build going into the open. Um, so we tend to do one to two days of pull-ups now, uh, more often two days a week. Now we'll do pull-ups on the rig because in the going into the games, that's probably you're going to see pull-ups at least once, if not twice. Um, or tota bars. So building up our volume, hanging, hanging on the rig. Um, mm-hmm. And they like to do a lot of the ascending type, maybe rep schemes sometimes like a three, six, nine, 12, like try to get as far as you can. Um, you know, building up those, that volume is a tough way to uh, tackle a workout. Cause you never know what's <laughs> going to happen in that 20th round of, right. <laughs> of pull-ups. Um, so even like building up your hands, like, you know, that's why, we're doing maybe a strict pull up, uh, a butterfly pull, up, like um, a chest bar pull up, and a tota bar. You know, in a whole in a week, we're on the rig three times, which is abnormal. It's usually once or twice mm-hmm. um, because you need a lot of that grip strength, hanging strength. You know, it all kind of goes together. Right, absolutely. And I think one of the things you mentioned about the the format of some of the workouts is something like that, where people have to strategize a little bit more. Like, hey, you know, here's the time cap. You want to get X amount of calories on the rower and X amount of wall balls, for example. So split it up however you want. And then it gives people the chance to kind of start to think about how am I most efficient on this and that, and then kind of start to get those wheels turned a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and a couple of things that you mentioned, one obviously is the, the wad being first, because that's what we just talked about. And usually what we're doing is we're warming up, there's some strength work, and then there's the wad afterwards. But that the wad and the strength work are a lot of times switched now because the focus is being able to really push the fitness aspect because that's, what's going to make the biggest difference. And, um, you know, you mentioned this also from that competing perspective, but once or twice a week leading up to the open, being able to push it, you know, up to a hundred percent and really see what it feels like to challenge yourself that much. Cause that's, what's going to happen, especially in the atmosphere of the open where we all get competitive, you know? So no matter what plan you have, you need to make sure it is uh, resilient to that kind of a, an environment where you're going to get, you know, real amped up and ready to go, maybe go out harder than you should and that kind of stuff. So 
feeling that first, you know, before you go into the open workout is always good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Doing those open style workouts on Fridays gets people in that mindset. Um, and especially people that have done it in the past, they kind of look at their previous scores from the years before, see where they are, you know, and uh, how to push. And we talk about strategy more on those days, um, and how to break up, you know, break up your, your reps and, and breathing and stuff. And I think it's going to be one of our next topics. We're yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that we'll kind of finish out this little trifecta of, of bullet points we talked about that are kind of in a similar vein with the idea of training strict. And in this sense, I mean, training strict with your strength work. So maybe we talk a little bit more about kind of what we mean by that and, and why we do that at this time of year. Yeah. It kind of goes with like the skill and the efficiency uh, of the movement. So, um, and like, again, not trying to, we're not trying to PR right now. We're trying to improve our, you know, our, our movements and our fitness. Um, but if you can s- slow down some of the movements, do them more efficiently, a little more strict, you're going to get a lot more out of it um, in the long run. So this is a good time to kind of slow things down, improve the movement more. Again, not worry about your time um, on the clock as much um, because when you get efficient with the movement and you can breathe and you can move the weight um, you're just going to get a lot farther in these open workouts and you're just going to get a lot better score and you're going to feel a lot more um, confident in, in the workout. Yeah. And I think the training strict and slowing down tempos and stuff is a lot of times when I know athletes, my athletes need to decrease their general intensity. So I use it a lot when somebody's coming back from an injury because it lets them feel like they work really hard and relatively they are working hard, but the overall load on the body is not so high. And so that's exactly what we're going for here is letting you come back, look at technique, really look at any weaknesses there. But because the intensity of the fitness aspect of things is going up quite a bit, we have to take the intensity down somewhere else. And that's what this does is it means you're focusing on technique, less weight, and then also matching up your training to, like you said, the open, the wads a little bit more where it's typically not a huge amount of weight. It's more on the, on the engine side of things. So we're starting to match it up to that as well. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and just slowing down the movement is a, probably a better pace for the open style workout. Anyway, you don't want to go as fast as you can in every movement. You don't want to start off at a hundred percent. So, so just slowing these movements down in your training is probably what you want anyway. Right. And then that, that, uh, leads nicely into the, into our last bullet point here, which is the, it's kind of a two-parter talking about using breath control a bit more and talking about actually setting up the workouts a little bit more deliberately. So I know from my perspective, I've been using breath control a lot more myself and with my athletes, both in terms of understanding how you can control your output a little bit better in terms of how you're breathing. And instead of letting a workout or a movement decide how you're going to breathe for you, you know, something is a certain, uh, you know, a certain gear for you actually use a gear system from one to five where, it's like, you know, I should be able to do this, this movement at a gear three and you have a breathing strategy for that gear and you just go right to it. So you're prepared and you're sort of out, out in front of things a little bit more. So that's one thing that I found super helpful. And then also just using your breath as a way to transition movements or take breath, take breaks between movements and try to keep you very consistent throughout the whole wad as you get tired. Yeah, absolutely. We just did this. So I feel like wall balls 
is the best exercise to practice this on. Um, you want to be able to breathe in every movement, um, but wall balls, everybody hates wall balls except tall people like yourself. Mm-hmm. But everybody hates wall balls because they're hard. Like you're throwing a ball 10 feet in the air, catching it, doing a squat. There's a lot going on. But if you really look at the wall ball, it's a very slow movement, right? You're throwing the ball, it's in the air for a few seconds, it comes down. This is a movement you can probably actually catch your breath on mm-hmm. sometimes, depending on what the other things around it are, right? But in the wall ball, you want to, you know, I like to breathe with the movement. So I want to take a deep breath in as I squat down, and I want to take a full breath out as I throw the ball in the air. The most important thing that I find with the athletes is they're not breathing out. Mm-hmm. We're always breathing in. So like if you're in the workout and you're like, <laughs> like that's a lot of air in and like not a lot of air is going out, right? Mm-hmm. Like you should be taking a <sighs> with every rep. So wall ball is great. We just did a big workout yesterday. We talked a lot about this timing those breaths with the breathing and the movement. It also relaxes you. So we mm-hmm. talk about like, you want to be relaxed and confident and smooth when you're doing these movements. You don't want to feel like that <laughs> is like stress and anxiety and like, ah, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. So like breathing is so important and not talked about enough. So glad we're talking about it. Um, wall ball is a great one to work on the timing of that. And then just the second part to that question, um, like, like wall balls are great too. Cause if you have 60 wall balls in a workout, you're not going to do all 60 in a row. If you have any other work after it, especially. So taking a step back and counting three breaths and getting back on. So if you want to do 60 reps, you're going to do five, six sets of 10, which is a good strategy. Probably do 10, you come back one, two, three breaths and you go back in. Right. So now if you're feeling better, maybe it's one breath and you go back in. If you're feeling more tired, then it's five breaths and then Mm -hmm. you go back in, but taking your breaths or seconds, in between each rep is super important, especially in the open. You have to do it because five to 10 seconds that you didn't pick it up every round, it's another minute, right? Mm-hmm. And a minute's a huge, that's, that's like 5,000 spots on the leaderboard, right? So right. The, counting out your, your rest is just as important um, as your transitions, which we can talk about next too. But Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of things you mentioned that I think are, are really important is that I don't think people think about a lot is that, the exhaling part, when people are working really hard, you have, you can't skimp on that. You will, you'll just end up collapsing on the floor at some point because what's happening physiologically is that you're building up carbon dioxide in your system and your body needs to get rid of it. What a lot of people don't realize is that when we breathe, the cue to breathe is not lack of oxygen, it's buildup of carbon dioxide. So what your body is doing in that point if you're, if you are shortening your exhales, you're just building up more and more carbon dioxide and you're going to hit the wall really fast. But if you actually exhale fully and doesn't have to be a long exhale, it just has to be more forceful. Sometimes you have to make sure you do that. So that's very, very important. Um, and that's what, again, in the, uh, blog article, I put together a video that talks about that five gear system. And that's meant to be, you know, day to day or really easy, workouts and stuff on you know just even walking or jogging on gear one and then gear five is you know full sprint kind of stuff so it helps you understand how long you should be able to be at each one because obviously you can be in gear one forever essentially and gear five is very short-lived it has to be because you can only keep your breathing up that high for so long so it also helps you to understand with what you said with taking the the rest breaks and understanding okay the goal is to take three 
breaths in between each set of wall balls, for example. If I am only taking one or two and I feel fresh, then I know I can push the pace a little bit farther or I can maybe do longer sets. And if I'm constantly at a five or a six, I know I need to figure something else out. Um, and it just helps you, again, strategize and get out ahead of things a little bit. So the goal with, I know for me and a lot of people I talk to with recovery during a workout is to be out ahead of things a little bit so that you're not reactively recovering and going, oh, crap, I just pushed myself farther than I wanted to. You are having a strategy that's staying the same going in so that you can keep your output at the level you want it to be at. Right. Exactly. That's definitely one of my coaching cues would be, I always tell the athletes, especially in the Olympus, I'm like, you need to take a break because you want to, not because you have to in the first few rounds. Like, I'm going to take a break because I want to. I'm going to step back, take a breath or two, and I'm going to get back in there. And I still feel 100% comfortable in this workout. And you want to feel like that most of the workout. We say you should only be going at 80% effort for 80% of the workout. Only the last 20% of the workout, you should feel like you're at 100%. And in reality, you're really just maintaining the same pace. It just feels mm -hmm. harder at the end. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you, cause if you go hundred percent from the beginning, you're not going to have anything left for that last bit of the workout. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Um, all right. I think the last piece here is another, another very similar thing where it sounds simple and it is, but it's very, very important in terms of setting up the workouts in a very deliberate way. So um, I'll just kind of let you say whatever you think is the most valuable from there everything. So like you have to set up everything in the perfect angle, direction, area, spot, you know? So like when you're in a, in a CrossFit class um, and, you, and you're doing the workout with everybody, this gets a little tricky um, because, you know, your pull-up station might be across the room and the wall balls are on this wall and some, some gyms are not set up properly. Um, but usually, um, in our gym, at least even, even with the class, we're going in smaller groups, um, and we have people judging. Um, so we can do two or three groups where we can help people get set up exactly where we want them to be. You know, so obviously the simple thing is like your rower and your wall ball and your, you know, pull-up bar should all be as close as possible. Right. And then you're, if you're doing double unders, like you, your double unders need to be right on the side of your rower or whatever the movement is. And your handle should be placed down with the handles open and the jump rope open in a nice circle. So when you pick it up, you can just start swinging it. Like every little thing, every little step extra you have to take is a, again, a second. And like in these 10 to 12 minute workouts, three second transitions and, you know, every time and 30 something transitions, it really adds up, you know, you're going to have a minute and a half slower time than somebody or, or reps. If you're messing, um, three seconds on these transitions that could be every, every rep is about three seconds. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, if you have 30 mistakes on transitions, you're missing almost 30 reps at the end of the workout. So I, I would say everything is important. You want to be as efficient as possible. You know, your box is set up perfectly where you can do box jumps and you literally just turn to the side and do pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like the box is here and I have to jump over the box and take five steps. And then the pull-ups are there. Um, now if it's a really, really hard workout and you're going to need some transition rest time anyway, that's a little different. Um, this is definitely for people who are competing for the best score they can possibly get. Their fitness is really high. You want, you want no slack in the transition times from, mm -hmm. from step to step. Yeah. So, so I was going to say that a couple of things that I think are, are 
important to uh, to focus on is that a lot of this just comes from experience, right? From you and your coach, obviously, mm-hmm. to understand, you know, how you respond to certain movements. Do you need more breaks between certain movements? Because then, yeah, maybe you deliberately set up the rower a little bit farther from the pull-up bar, knowing that, you know, after I row, I'm going to need a few breaths. So you just get up, you slowly walk over to the pull-up bar, and then when you get there, you start, right? So again, that's that comes down to the pacing thing and all that. So um, start to think about this before you get into as you're ramping up for the open workouts actually think about this kind of stuff because like you said especially if you're a higher level athlete it makes a big difference yeah and then uh so like you said so if you don't have the option of everything is right together then pick that one that maybe you want the rest in between that station and have that one the farthest away if it has to be if you can get everything else pretty tight but you're like after I'm done with these three movements, I'd rather walk over to the rower or whatever it has to be farther away. Mm-hmm. You know, try to be as efficient as you can, even if that one piece of equipment is farther away. Um, and then on the rower, make sure that your your foot straps are just loose enough that you could just slide your feet in, that you don't even have to pull the straps. You want to try to get that, just slide them in, slide them out. You know, you're not usually on the rower that long. Um, having the rower turned on every time you get on there, Um, sometimes your judge can help you with that. Um, or you have to hit the button before you go to the the movement prior before that. Um, or the new PM five monitors, if in your gym, you probably have a couple rowers with the PM fives. You don't have to worry about the new PM five monitors. As soon as you take your first pull, they turn on right away. Um, so those, there's definitely a lot of little things too. You don't want to get on the rower and do 10 pulls and you haven't even got a calorie in yet. Right. So you got to think about all those little things. Um, uh, fight gone bad is a good one when you practice that to get mm-hmm. that rower turned on and have those transitions fight gone bad is a great workout going into the open even just to practice a lot of those yeah. transitions and strategies and breathing um, that would be a great workout to pretest. for sure and as you'll see a lot of people it's just more about being aware of some of this stuff than it is about having to change everything it's just actually aware of your breathing you're actually aware of the way the water is being set up that goes a long way. And actually afterwards you can say, how did that go? How could that have been better? Oh, my breathing strategy was a little bit too conservative. I could have pushed it harder. Or while that was kind of stupid, I realized like the way I set up the rower, I had to, you know, like you said, the straps were too tight and then I had to mess with those every time and it got all weird. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, like you just said, most of it's experienced. Um, so hopefully your coaches can help you not make the mistakes they've made in the past. If you're newer, (laughs) And, um, you know, point out the little things like, that like we just talked about, um, or, but just over time, you're going to figure these things out on your own. Um, and every time you test a workout, you can, uh, you know, get a little more feedback in the open. Some people get a little crazy and they do it, you know, the same workout two or three times in a weekend. If you're really going for your best score, it definitely doing it twice helps if you do it Friday and you learn so much, like you just said, did did I push too hard at the beginning? Or did I not push enough at the beginning? And then maybe on, you know, you need plenty of rest. Maybe on Monday night, you test it again. Um, and a lot of people do better because they didn't, they didn't push hard enough or a little better strategy. Um, but usually uh, in those workouts, most people figure out that if they go slower at the beginning, they'll get a way better score at the end, like we talked about with the pacing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's the majority of what we wanted to talk about. I think a good place to leave this would be maybe, you know, a, a piece of advice you have for 
people who are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum where one end is they've just started CrossFit. They're, they're relatively new, or this is one of their first opens. And what would you say to them? And then on the other side, people who are more experienced and who are really trying to compete, uh, what you think is, is a good piece of advice for them? Yeah. So, um, for both sides, just keep it fun, right? It's mm-hmm. supposed to be fun. CrossFit's fun. Right. That's what we all started this to have fun and like to work out with your friends and uh, do crazy things that you never thought you could do before. So make sure you keep it fun every week. Don't stress yourself out over these workouts. The more relaxed, the more confident you are in them, you're going to score a lot better. So for the higher level athlete, you've trained all year and this is what you got. You're, you're, you're fit. This is where you're at. Maintain this fitness and just push as hard as you can and learn from every workout, right? You don't ever lose a workout necessarily. You just either you win or you learn, right? So learn something and take that into uh, your retest or take that into the following week. And each week in the open, you usually get a little better because you get a little more confident. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for the new people, you are, you know, you're just going through the experience of it. And again, just have fun and, and again, practice your skills and, and take away from it what you need to get better at for next year to, to participate and, uh, you know, have more fun in the open and take it into some local competitions. Um, and then for both groups, the only thing we didn't talk about, um, you know, the, the most important two things are going to be your sleep and your nutrition. So mm-hmm. your sleep and recovery, those are the, they go together, but especially during the open, like you should be sleeping like eight to nine hours every night, but especially if you're going to test on Friday, I would say make sure like Wednesday, Thursday, you're getting a solid nine hours. You're nice and fresh on Friday workout. And then your diet has to be, you know, 90% clean, give yourself till Friday. And then, you know, Friday night, have a few, have a few drinks or a few desserts and then, and then, you know, clean it right back up though Saturday. And again, this is only three weeks. So focus on it as if you're in a competition and you're, you know, training for it. Um, you want to eat perfect, sleep perfect, train perfect, and that's what we're going for. I love it. Yeah, and I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's you know from my perspective, it's the same thing. You got to get out in front of it, right? You can't make up for lost sleep. You have to do it every night consistently, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, and then nutrition, you only see the benefits when you're consistent with it. Yeah, you, know, you can't just eat really well a couple of days a week. You have to do it, you know, at eighty twenty, right? Eighty percent right. of the time's got to be dialed in, right? Yeah. And, it's, and especially now, if not, you know, three or four weeks ago is the time to really clean it up. You have to go in with a nice clean body and a clean stomach. Um, and I always used to say, you know, you don't want to get into the workout and fizzle out and know it's because you ate something bad the other day or you didn't sleep well the other day, like a thing you definitely could have controlled. So if you can control your eating and your sleeping and you fizzle out on the workout because your fitness isn't there, that's different. You know, you tried hundred percent, you mm-hmm. gave it all you got and you did all your, you did all your work going into it. So you just never want to have regrets that you didn't do what you were supposed to do before the workout, um, and didn't get ahead of it. Like you said. Right. And I think, yeah, this whole conversation in the blog and everything was about, especially every year it's important, but this year training schedules were weird with the lockdowns and all this kind of stuff. So make sure you're putting time and energy and effort into planning and then executing preparation strategies for the physical stuff, which is what we talked about, but also sleeping, eating, hydration, all that kind of stuff. Because if you don't, you know, best case scenario, you won't, you won't perform as well as you want to. Worst case scenario, you'll end up hurting yourself and just being in a bad place. And it, it doesn't have to be that way. So take some time and some effort and uh, just take care of yourself.
absolutely take care of your body. That's right. Cool. All right. Well, I think, uh, hopefully that was valuable for a lot of people. And, uh, Jay, thanks for joining me and going through it. I think it was a lot of fun. Thank you. It was fun. Anytime. All right. Well, everybody out there, thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. And, uh, if you're competing in the open this year, make sure you have fun for sure. Have fun. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Just a few quick things before you take off. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast useful. The Resilient Athlete Project is brought to you by Wagner PT and Performance in Lakeville, Massachusetts, where I work with athletes of all ages to relieve pain and keep them in the game. For more information, or if you're interested in working with me, either in person or via remote consult, visit my website at www.wagnerptp.com. Also, don't forget to follow Wagner PT and Performance on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and reach out if you have any questions. Okay, everybody, thanks again, and we'll talk soon.